0: Welcome to NTD News Today, I'm Chris Beers, here are today's top stories. Still no solution for the looming default on the nation's debt. Officials from both sides of the aisle commenting on the issue over the weekend. Both parties keep blaming each other. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis weighed in on former Marine Daniel Penny's criminal charges and called on people to lend him a helping hand. Germany gives the final go-ahead for a controversial Chinese stake in the port of Hamburg. That's despite renewed security concerns. An upset in Thailand's general election. But it doesn't mean the previous rule is gone for good. Find out what changed and what didn't. An update on the nation's financial situation. Officials from both sides of the aisle commented on the U.S. debt ceiling. However, they have different solutions in mind. Here's what they said this weekend.
1: The director of the National Economic Council, Lale Brainerd, on Sunday was on CBS' Face the Nation. She discussed the status of current debt ceiling negotiations.
2: Should the White House have started negotiating earlier? So this is really uh, a, a responsibility of Congress.
1: Brainerd advises the president on U.S. and international economic policy. She says that business's main concern is not inflation or recession, but the threat of a possible government debt default.
2: When I talk to CEOs, to business leaders around the country, Mm -hmm. they tell me things are actually going very well. But their biggest concern is that Congress might fail to prevent default and that that would be Catastrophic. Yeah. IT WOULD LEAD TO HIGHER BORROWING COSTS FOR CARS, FOR MORTGAGES, FOR SMALL BUSINESSES, EVEN FOR THE U.S. GOVERNMENT.
1: REPUBLICAN CONGRESSMAN MICHAEL MCCALL VOICED SIMILAR CONCERNS ON ABC'S THIS WEEK WHEN ASKED ABOUT A POSSIBLE DEFAULT. WELL, it's, THIS IS ALWAYS A, a GAME WE PLAY, um, EVERY CONGRESS, YOU KNOW, and, AND DARING EACH OTHER TO JUMP OFF THE CLIFF. IT'S A DANGEROUS GAME. I THINK uh, DEFAULTING ON OUR FULL FAITH AND CREDIT, uh, ANY FINANCIAL PERSON WOULD TELL YOU THAT'S VERY uh, CATASTROPHIC. He added that Republicans have a plan to handle the situation. House Republicans passed a bill to increase the debt ceiling, but also proposed spending cuts. Most of those cuts would affect issues Democrats care about, which explains the controversy. When pressed about the issue, the deputy treasury secretary told CNN's State of the Union that President Biden had previously laid out a plan.
3: The president outlined his own plan for what we would do in terms of fiscal policy in March where he talked about reducing the debt by $3 trillion by cutting things like subsidies to oil and gas companies.
1: However, in recent weeks, the Biden administration repeatedly said it wouldn't agree to Republicans' budget proposals. Default is expected to hit the U.S. within the next month if lawmakers don't agree on a budget.
0: Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is helping to raise funds for the legal cost of Marine veteran Daniel Penny. Penny is facing criminal charges over the death of a homeless man on a New York City subway who witnesses say was aggressively threatening other passengers. And Daniel Monahan has more on the Republican governor's actions.
3: We are a, a law and order state. DeSantis wrote on Twitter that a legal defense fund has been set up on give send go for Penny. The Florida governor wrote quote, we stand with good Samaritans like Daniel Penny. Let's show this Marine America's got his back. DESANTIS SAYS IT'S NECESSARY TO STOP SOROS-FUNDED DISTRICT ATTORNEYS. SOMETIMES, YOU KNOW, THE the PROSECUTOR JUST LET THEM GO, AND WE HAVE DIFFERENT FLAVORS OF PROSECUTORS, AS PEOPLE HAVE SEEN. HE ALSO CALLED OUT THE POLITICAL LEFT FOR THEIR SO-CALLED PRO-CRIMINAL AGENDA AND SAYS IT'S NECESSARY TO TAKE BACK THE STREETS FOR LAW-ABIDING CITIZENS. WE'VE SEEN A LOT OF JURISDICTIONS AROUND THIS COUNTRY INDULGE IN WHAT I WOULD SAY ARE FADDISH THINKING, uh, attacking law enforcement, thinking that you can solve some of these problems through uh, things like social services. The 24 year old former Marine was arraigned in Manhattan Criminal Court on May 12th on charges of second degree manslaughter. The city medical examiner ruled the death of Jordan Neely a homicide due to compression of neck. Penny's lawyers have said he was acting in self defense. One witness described Neely as saying he was ready to take a bullet and go to jail because he would kill people on the train. Neely had a history of multiple violent attacks on subway riders. That includes allegedly punching a 67 year old woman in the face in 2021, breaking her nose and facial bone. Penny's attorney Thomas Kenneth described how Penny is dealing with the charges on Fox News.
1: a sort of integrity and honor. Uh, That is characteristic of who he is, characteristic of his honorable service in the United States Marine Corps.
3: But Neely family attorney Dante Mills disagreed with any claims of self defense.
0: Mr. Neely did not attack anyone, he did not touch anyone, he did not hit anyone, but he was choked to death. And that can't stand.
3: The campaign, called Daniel Penny's Legal Defense Fund, has already raised nearly $2 million. Money raised in excess of what's needed to cover Penny's legal defense will be donated to a mental health advocacy program. Penny is currently free on a $100,000 bond. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: The Biden administration wants to put an end to a high profile Supreme Court case on governing elections. Republicans hope each state's lawmakers can freely regulate the state's elections. The Biden administration asked the Supreme Court to dismiss the case. Republicans in the case don't want state courts to interfere in elections administration. They argue the Constitution has always authorized state legislatures to make rules for federal elections in their states. They are referencing the once obscure independent state legislature doctrine. Democrats say the doctrine is a fringe legal theory that could endanger voting rights, green light partisan gerrymandering, and cause upheaval in the electoral process. The Supreme Court is expected to decide the matter in the coming days. A district judge has issued an order to block former President Donald Trump from giving a deposition. The case involves lawsuits filed by former FBI officials Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. The two were central figures in the controversy around an investigation that probed whether Trump had ties with Russian government during the 2016 campaign. Text messages between the two agents contained highly critical comments about Trump and his supporters. In his lawsuit, Strzok alleged that the FBI fired him for expressing his political opinions, while Page argues the release of the text messages was unlawful. Judge Amy Berman Jackson ruled that Trump's deposition appearance is blocked until FBI Director Christopher Wray's deposition has been completed. NTD premiered an investigative report on the indictment of former President Donald Trump today. NTD's Steve Lance spoke with Washington insiders about the case and how it could affect the course of American politics in the future.
3: A former president of the United States for the first time in history... the
0: ...public will see here done done as a former president uh, is now indicted. They indicted a former president who is now running for president as though it's like just another day in the park. Did
3: he do something wrong? What was it? His liberty is at stake. This is going to be the biggest challenge of
0: his life. Consistent accountability. Do we have that in our justice system?
3: Officers were injured. You've heard nothing about that on mainstream media. And I said, are you gonna treat these two cases the same? He refused to answer my question. Said he hadn't even heard of or knew that the Department of Interior had been raided.
1: If it could happen to us, it could happen to you.
2: Physical assassinations are much messier these days. So you assassinate by narrative.
0: There was a time in America when both parties were patriotic your efforts were to win a general election not to put the opposition in jail or ruin them financially or destroy them if you have student debt to the federal government you are going to have to start paying it back again that's the message from the education secretary last thursday Repayments have been paused for three years, but are set to resume 60 days after June 30th at the latest. To learn more about this, I spoke with senior economic columnist for the Epoch Times, Jeffrey Tucker. He's also the founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. Jeffrey Tucker, thank you for joining us. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So the moratorium on, on student loans is going to end 60 days after June 30th. How will this impact borrowers? Uh, well,
4: the, the kids that are, are settled, settled with this debt, and some of them are, you, know, as, as old as 30 and 40 years old at this point, and there's, there's tens of millions of them, I guess, 43 million uh, are going to have to pay their student loans. Uh, there's it, it, it's, there's no question about it. And th- to me, this is, uh, uh, I don't know why this should be a shock, but it is uh, for a whole generation. They've been hoping for uh, f- debt forgiveness for many years now, and it's because the Democrats keep holding this out as some sort of carrot. I mean, I, over the years, I've encountered many people in this age group with, with uh, very high student loans uh, uh, who uh, support you know, Democrats solely on this ground. Like, of course, I'm going to vote for Obama. Of course, I'm going to support Biden because uh, because he's going to make my all my debts go away. And and so this is this is the way it, it works. They keep uh, holding out this carrot for this for these for these people, and and then taking it away. You know, on the normal grounds that when you take out a debt, you have to pay your bills. And the federal government's going to get its money one way or the other. I'm sorry to reveal that truth, but it's just true.
0: So the secretary of education says Biden's HEROES Act um, gives him the ability to create a waiver for those with student loan debt who are, quote, impacted significantly by the pandemic. Um, He compares this to the government's um, support of small businesses during COVID. What's your take on this?
4: Well, Everybody on the planet Earth was impacted by the uh, COVID response. Uh, students in particular were just had their lives just shattered. Here they are paying the big bucks for college. And then they were locked in the dorms or locked out of the universities entirely. It's, I mean, some some students I know had to spend two two years on Zoom. I mean, so, yeah, it's a, it, everybody's victimized by by this. But, you know, here again, this is this is all a ploy. Um, to, uh, to buy out their political loyalties. Um, the, the, the debt will definitely be paid. And I'll tell you, there's another factor here, too. Um, it, it's not being covered well in the mainstream press, but uh, governor, government revenue right now is in free fall uh, compared to the expectations. There's a real shortfall. And there's one thing you learn about government over the time, is that they they are never going to pass up a chance to get your money. I mean, that's just the way it works. So these, these bills are going to come due, and the government's going to get increasingly aggressive about collections of its debts. It really is an appalling situation. The student loan program sponsored by the government shouldn't exist at all. There's a major reason for the high cost of education.
0: So you don't think it's going forward um, the education department is requesting thirty percent, a thirty percent increase, to manage um, the restart of federal loan payments. Do you think this is necessary? And what does this it's, mean in light of the, the debt ceiling crisis right now?
4: Yeah, it's, it's completely unnecessary. But you know, the, the the idea that you have to have a thirty percent increase to manage things I mean, the whole thing reminds me of an episode of Yes Minister, the old British uh, uh, com- uh, uh, comedy where every reform just ends up in you know a larger bureaucracy even the attempts to cut the bureaucracy require a larger bureaucracy to cut the bureaucracy so <laughs> They'll do anything to expand. Uh, That's sort of the nature of government. It's extremely wicked. Um, I think in in the 1960s, this was named as the iron law of liberalism, that every attempt to reform a system only ends up uh, rewarding the insiders and and building uh, government power. And this is definitely a case. They don't need a 30 percent increase to collect the loans, all they have to do is uh, is uh, collect the loans, as any private uh,
0: uh, creditor necessarily has to. Jeffrey Tucker, senior economics columnist for the Epoch Times, thank you. Such a pleasure, thank you. Welcome back. Turkey's presidential election is headed for a runoff. President Tayyip Erdogan failed to gain 50% of the vote, the threshold required for avoiding a runoff. And today's Daniel Monahan has more on the pivotal election.
3: The unofficial results show Erdogan with just over 49% of the vote, while opposition leader Kamal Kılıçdaroğlu has
2: 45%.
3: If our nation has made its choice in favor of a second round of the election, then that is also welcome. This year's election largely centered on domestic issues such as the economy, civil rights, and a February earthquake that killed more than 50,000 people. Erdogan and his Islamist-leaning AKP have been in power since 2003. They enjoy strong support in rural, less developed areas of the country. Tayyip Erdogan until death, Tayyip Erdogan until the end. Erdogan has often clashed with the policies of his country's NATO allies during his tenure. He has also nurtured close relations with Moscow despite Russia's invasion of Ukraine early in 2022. But in recent years, Erdogan and his party have seen their popularity wane, fueled by an ongoing currency crisis. The pro-secular opposition Republican People's Party has promised to repair the high inflation and currency devaluation. It has also campaigned on reversing crackdowns on free speech and other forms of democratic backsliding. Daniel Monaghan, NTD News.
0: A Norwegian naval officer was found guilty today. He was handed a two-month suspended jail sentence for negligence leading up to a 2018 collision. The crash occurred between a warship he commanded and an oil tanker causing the warship to sink. The armed forces estimated replacement costs at over a billion dollars in 2019. The early morning crash between the warship and the oil tanker also triggered shutdowns of parts of Norway's petroleum production. There was no leak from the oil tanker. The defendant was the officer in charge on the bridge of the warship at the time. He had not pleaded guilty to negligence. He believes he was unfairly singled out for blame. Prosecution had asked for a four-month suspended jail sentence. Mexican authorities have arrested a suspected drug cartel leader, known as L-15. He is allegedly a major leader of the Sinaloa cartel and operated in Cancun, a major tourist attraction in southeast Mexico. The arrest took place in the early hours Saturday morning. The Navy found him during an operation in Sinaloa. He was later transferred to the state of Quintana Roo, Last month, authorities in the state issued a warrant for his arrest, with a reward of more than $55,000. The man is accused of ordering attacks and executions of criminal gangs as they were fighting over turf in the state. Most recently, four people were murdered outside a hotel in Cancun. Thailand's opposition secured a stunning election win on Sunday, setting the stage for a flurry of deal-making to end nearly a decade of conservative, army-backed
2: rule. To chants of prime minister and even fan art, the leader of Thailand's opposition Move Forward Party basked in a huge election win on Sunday. VOTERS TURNED OUT IN FORCE BEHIND TWO PARTIES PROMISING BIG CHANGES AND AN END TO A DECADE OF CONSERVATIVE GOVERNMENT LED OR BACKED BY THE MILITARY. MOVE Forward's LEADER Peter LIM Jarenra DESCRIBED THE WIN AS SENSATIONAL.
4: He WILL BE THE MANAGER
0: OF THAT COALITION BUILDING It's STILL uh, WAITED it TO BE SEEN.
2: HIS PARTY CAME CLOSE TO A CLEAN SWEEP IN BANGKOK, RIDING A WAVE OF SUPPORT FROM YOUNG VOTERS. It, along with the Pu' Thai party, surged ahead with more than 90% of the votes counted. Despite what looked like clear results, forming government may be far less so. Parliamentary rules are skewed in the military's favour. They wrote them after the 2014 coup. So the next hurdle for the opposition parties will be to strike deals and win over members of a junta-appointed senate who also get a say on who becomes prime minister and forms government. The vote in Southeast Asia's second biggest economy marked the latest round in a long-running power battle between Pua the juggernaut of the billionaire Shinawat family, against a nexus of old money, conservatives, and military with influence over key institutions involved in two decades of upheaval. Pua has won five consecutive general elections since 2001, but has either been forced out of power or disqualified each time. But the stunning performance by move forward will likely test the resolve of the country's establishment and ruling parties. They're also a crushing blow for the military and its allies. The results appear to set Prime Minister Prayut Chan-o-cha up for a big defeat. The retired general who led the last coup slipped quietly away from his party headquarters on Sunday. He thanked the Thai people for voting while saying he respects democracy and the election.
0: Germany cleared the way for the contentious Hamburg terminal deal with Beijing. A Chinese state-owned company can now acquire a hefty stake in the strategic seaport. How could the purchase affect America's biggest ally in Europe? Here's a closer look.
1: After an 18-month tug-of-war, Chinese shipping giant Costco can now purchase 24.9% of Tallerord, a key container terminal in the seaport of Hamburg. The deal is with the port's current owner, HHLA. Since announcing the deal on September 2021, the company has been pushing for a green light from Berlin. At the time, Costco was eyeing a larger share of 35%. The agreement met with strong backlash from lawmakers led by Vice Chancellor Robert Habeck. The opposition insisted on lowering the share to below 25% out of security concerns. Despite questions and accusations, Chancellor Olaf Scholz, the former mayor of Hamburg, pushed through the Costco deal last October. In April, German security agency classified the Hamburg terminal as critical infrastructure, meaning more restrictions on its acquisition. But it didn't repeal the cabinet's decision to endorse China's investment. In an interview with Politico, German foreign policy lawmaker Norbert Redgen blasted the handling of the deal as unbelievable incompetence. Another politician called out Scholz for repeating the fatal mistakes in dealing with Russia. From a global perspective, the Berlin-Beijing agreement could ripple through neighboring Italy. HHLA owns a 50% controlling interest of the Italian seaport of Trieste. It's another major hub that Beijing is watching closely for its Belt and Road initiative. And Rome is now at a crossroads on whether to pull out of China's ambitious scheme. Experts also warn of the growing market share of China's state-backed Costco. Its dominance could make the company a potential geopolitical tool for Beijing. On top of that, concerns are growing about the safety of foreign customer data and Beijing's ability to access
0: them. One of the world's largest financial consulting firms is under suspicion for corruption. An inquiry revealed price house Coopers allegedly planned to cheat the Australian government out of tax revenue. The tax scandal came to light after a former consultant for the company was disqualified. As part of his role, the consultant received confidential information and documentation from the government, but he allegedly shared the secret knowledge with Price Waterhouse Coopers and with overseas partners. This allowed the firm to create a system for large companies to avoid paying newly devised taxes. The CEO of the company stepped down on May 9th. An Australian senator says the three others at the company have also resigned from their leadership positions. Nepali Sherpa has tied a Mount Everest climbing record. He climbed the mountain for a 26th time on Sunday. He's the world's second person to achieve such a feat. 46 year old Pasang Dawa Sherpa stood atop the 8,849 meter peak, sharing the record with Kami Rita Sherpa. Kami Rita, who's also climbing on Mount Everest now, could set another record if he makes it to the top. The Sherpas are known for their climbing skills and make a living mainly by guiding foreign clients in the mountains. A major discovery in western Peru. Archaeologists have unearthed a temple that dates back 4,000 years. The National University of San Marcos led the discovery. The U-shaped temple is believed to have been a site for religious ceremonies. The notable finding includes an ancient stepped cross symbol. Carved into a frieze, it's known as a chacana. This
1: Chacana, or Southern Cross, is the oldest complete representation that has been found in the Andes. It evidences the long cultural and religious tradition related to this symbol that developed from as early as 4,000 years ago in the Inca period in a continuous way.
0: Archaeologists say the carving confirms the importance of the Chacana symbol in ancient Peruvian culture life can be good enough to make you jump with joy. That's what this baby orca seems to be doing. Have a look at this photo. A Canadian whale-watching company found the family hunting porpoises. A baby orca leapt into the air as if thrilled with a successful hunt. Comments online say that this photo just made their day. The picture was taken more than a week ago. The company also shared other marine animal encounters on the voyage. These include killer whales, sea otters, sea lions, and more. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to share any news tips or feedback for the show, please feel free to email us at news.today at ntd.com. I'm Chris Beers, and you're watching NTD News, New York City.